Joining us today on Moving Radio is one of the filmmakers that is going to be part of FavaFest 2022. FavaFest is going to bring the unique visions and perspectives and stories from Fava members together under one festival, starting on May 24th and going all the way through to May 28th. You can find out more at fava.ca. But joining us today specifically is Tom Robinson to discuss Blind Ambition, the WAP May story. He's the co-director, writer, and executive producer behind the film. Tom, welcome to Moving Radio. Hi, thank you very much for having me. No, it is my pleasure. Uh, we've seemed to talk to each other several times about this film in the last year and change, which is great. It's a fantastic little piece, and I think it's got all the things that you would hope from a almost kind of like a pseudo documentary historical look right at what may it's it's a little lighthearted it's got uh it's got elements that you're going to be like oh i'm surprised to learn that uh but also it's uh really creative in the way that's directed so before we kind of get into this for anybody in the audience that doesn't have any context as to who what may is and why you decided to create blind ambition the what may story let's give them a little background about WAP. Certainly. So Wap May was uh, a pilot here in Edmonton, or he was a man who grew up here in Edmonton, originally born in Manitoba, grew up in Edmonton uh, in the early 1900s, and uh, went off to fight in World War I over in Europe, and that is where he learned to fly, and then came back to Edmonton after the First World War was done, immediately uh, started a flying company with his brother, and I believe they leased their plane from the city of Edmonton, who, who had obtained a plane, and just kind of uh, took off from there. He loved flying. They started out doing a lot of sort of stunt flying, that sort of thing, um, a little bit of transport. Uh, I know they're famous for, for delivering the Edmonton Journal. It was called, I think, maybe the Edmonton Bulletin at that time uh, to Atasquin, uh, which could, you know, happen in, in, in the course of, you know, half hour, hour, instead of a couple of days before they get their newspapers. He then went on to found the Edmonton Flying Club uh, in the uh, sort of end of the 30s, and opened up commercial business to the north, which was really important for folks up there getting supplies and then sending the, the sorts of things that, that were valuable from up there, whether it's furs or whatever, back down uh, to the southern Canada. Uh, and then come World War II, uh, he was instrumental in running the, it was called the Observation School here in Edmonton, uh, which was training for pilots and navigators. Uh, so pilots and navigators from allied forces around the world would come here and other training schools across Canada to learn how to fly and how to navigate. Uh, and then uh, continued after the Second World War uh, in commercial business, continuing to open up the North and actually all around uh, sort of Pacific Rim through his companies. He was helping set up routes through Asia, um, Southeast Asia, and even down to Australia and New Zealand. A lot of history uh, for what this man did. And probably for a lot of people, it's illuminating, either maybe having an idea of who he was, or maybe you've heard the name and didn't have a lot of context. Before we kind of get into like what you decided to select to be able to tell in this, because it's a short film too. It's not something where you're like, oh, this is my two hour feature about WAP May and what happened with them. Let's talk a little bit about where you were coming from initially in wanting to tell this story visually, because I think what makes it really intriguing is that it's not all necessarily just talking heads. 
And it's not all just one style specifically, right? You, uh, you give the audience a lot to look at. So talk to us about how you started to move in that direction to make the story more engaging. This project came up for me uh, through Frederick Croach. He is the producer and the, uh, the other co-director on this film. And he had found out about Wap May and was uh, really interested in doing something on him. He brought me in, uh, said, hey, would you like to come and write this? I then uh, jumped into the research. I was the, the deep researcher on this. And Frederick, his original idea, he had wanted to do just a, a little bit of his life and wanted to do it in stop motion. And then we, you know, said it had been decided that we would do something larger than just that, that one little portion. And, and the stop motion was not going to be something we could do for an extended period. So we really were, uh, Frederick, you know, had said, I don't want to just do a Talking Heads uh, documentary. Those have been done. It's fine. It's informative, generally not very exciting. We noodled it around for quite a while. And I had come up with the idea of, well, why don't we do comic books? Here's a guy who was very active when the golden age of comic books, which was sort of in the 40s, you know, the start of superheroes. And he was quite literally a flying superhero. So we kind of went with that. One of the other producers and our director of photography, David Barron, uh, was really throwing in some ideas. And, and he said, you know, what about, and along with Frederick, why don't we, why don't we film some recreation, but do really really good solid recreation not not cheesy historical stuff we're looking for very realistic looking and why don't we shoot it on film because you know that was the medium of the time as well and not much stuff gets you know shot on film especially documentaries so then we had a couple of things to be putting in there beyond you know the talking heads and the, the, we did have some archival photos, a fair number of archival photos as well to be using, which again is a very typical thing in those Talking Heads films where it's Talking Head, archival photo. So then we had, because the comic books were going to fill in all those spots that basically we couldn't recreate, really big flying shots and that sort of thing. But then things kind of progressed and Frederick managed to, to find us a biplane that we could do, use for filming. So suddenly we could do some airborne stuff. We, we had the comic book idea that we were going to use it throughout, and that slowly kind of got chipped away to focusing on one story. So there's one, one sort of story um, uh, that it follows uh, in the film, and then all the other stuff, uh, recreation stuff, is, is shot on film. And then even as we were editing it together, it was a lot of sort of playing around, trying out different things together and seeing where we had holes visually. You know, oh, this is a big section of talking heads. What can we be getting in here so you know that kind of kept getting uh, improved and improved and then we kind of got to the end and even when it comes came to the uh to the visuals uh the the, the photographs the of the archival stuff we were trying to come up with you know how can we make this so it's not just again just straight archival photos digitally presented uh and we do have some of that but the idea that was come up with uh or that we came up with looking at what other documentaries that sort of thing were doing was print out the photos put them in interesting frames in interesting environments and film the photos on like a dolly. So it's a moving shot of these different photographs uh, just to add just a, a little more, you know, visual interest to, to these archival photos. We're talking today on Moving Radio with one of the filmmakers that has their work featured as part of FabaFest. That's going to be taking place from May 24th to 28th at the Orange Hub, which is the home base of Fava. And 
it's Tom Robinson is who we're talking to. And we're talking to him about Blind Ambition, the WAP May story, which is documentary short that's going to be featured as part of Fava Fest. Remember, if you go to any of these screenings, the beautiful part is it's pay what you can. You just show up and uh, take in all this great Alberta filmmaking. And uh, it's all for the price that you deem that works for you. Tom, with something like this, like Fava Fest, like you've had other screenings. Uh, one would be at uh, you were at the uh, Edmonton International Film Festival with this, and you've got it playing at something like Fava Fest. Like, you know, with films like this, because it's such an Alberta centric story, you've been featured in many different things around this city as well as around the province, I'm sure. Like, that's the hope is it gets seen by people, but you're kind of working on two layers in one way. You're like trying to find as many ways as people can see it, but also really important because it's telling a local story. Talk to me about the importance of festivals like FabaFest or the others that you've been featured at for someone like yourself in getting your film out there. Fava Fest to start with. Uh, obviously, um, I, I have been a member of Fava for over 10 years. I'm currently serving on the board. That organization just, again, holds a very special place in my heart because it's sort of where I started doing filmmaking and it was, they've now moved to the West end, but it was very central just below downtown. It was someplace I would pass just walking regularly. So I would drop in and say, hi, and is there anything I can help out with and what's going on? So, uh, I mean, for Fava Fest, I, I, I'm always pleased to have my films play at Fava Fest just because I, I really enjoy the organization. Other, other places, the uh, winter cinema festival, it's, especially for this film, it's great because again, it's looking for outdoor winter stuff, which Watt May was incredibly involved with Northern flying, which, you know, happened a lot in the winter and in the cold. So it was very fitting. At the moment, we're also going to be screening at the Yorkton Film Festival coming up at the end of this month. Um, and so, you know, just, just screening at all these places, it it's Canadian history that we're presenting here and so it's great to have it at all these Canadian festivals, just because, again, it, it helps spread this knowledge, especially for individuals who are starting to sort of flag in the public mind just because when they existed and what they did was quite a while ago. You know, it's over over 100 years since, you know, he started flying. It was in the beginning of the First World War or end of First World War, which was, you know, three or four years ago, plus 100 years. So... And, and one of the more interesting ones we got into down in the United States was actually the GI Film Festival, which again, WAP was, you know, flew as uh, a pilot in the First World War, was involved with the training in the Second World War. So that was a neat one to get into as well, just because uh, it is focusing on military films. Uh, and here's our, our interesting documentary. And, you know, part of a big part of his life was serving in the military, but it was much beyond that as well. So it's interesting all the different places that it gets picked up and there's interest in it. Yeah. And I think probably, too, what is, you know, for yourself means the most is that you're able to tell stories uh, that are going to have some resonance with people. Did you have any connections to family and maybe in that kind of research and what other resources you had to find out more about WAP? Because it feels like you had a dearth of this material and it'd be like, well, how are we going to fit this all in? Right. So tell us a little bit about where you got most of your material and how you kind of went through that process of like, these are the stories we've got to tell. Cause there's a couple of really good ones in there uh, that, that I'm like, I can't believe that's even true, but he did it. It's pretty 
ridiculous is is the best word just like he as i said you know was a real life superhero in some of his his feats and acts i started with i, I think the first thing i did was i did an interview with the curator the then curator of the alberta aviation museum uh, lek and he's just a fountain of information about uh wap may he was a huge wap may uh fan and then I went through and, and did as much reading. I got as many books out of the library as I could and, and other books from the Alberta Aviation Museum. Uh, and then our other main resource was Denny May, who was Watt May's son and probably was the, the, the greatest historian of Watt May. Uh, he and Leck had tremendous amounts of information. But uh, yeah, it was really neat to, to deal with Denny May, who grew up with his dad. Uh, and, and an interesting aspect of that was that when Watt May died, Denny was only 17 years old. So he was a, an older teenager, but Watt spent a lot of time working uh, either, you know, at the military base or he would fly, you know, especially later in his life, he was flying around Southeast Asia uh, and would be gone for a month or two at a time. So uh, an interesting part of this, you know, that Denny explicitly says is that, you know, I sort of knew my dad growing up. It was very personal relationship. You know, it was all about, you know, uh, hanging out, going camping. He was very uh, teaching um, Denny and his sister, you know, some survival skills, that sort of thing. But it really wasn't until after WAP died and Denny went up and worked for a period in the North that... Denny would run into person after person after person who had worked with Wat May or, you know, Wat May had had some sort of influence on their life. So it wasn't till then that he really got to know about his father because his father was not a man of self-aggrandizement. Like he wouldn't come home and tell all these stories about how great he was. So uh, Denny didn't get to find out about many of his heroics until after Wat had died and other people were telling him these stories. And he actually had, he, he asked all these people, uh, this was years and years later, but he said, hey, you have these stories about what will you, you know, even if it's one page, tell me your story. And he compiled them all into, into a book uh, that he published. Denny May was was really interesting man to talk to. And sadly enough, uh, he didn't actually get to see the film. He died the night before we were premiering the Edmonton International Film Festival. And I had sent him the link to, to take a look at it. And uh, he wasn't able to get it that night. And he said, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm tired. I'll try again in the morning. And, and unfortunately, that, that just did not happen. So, yes, sadly enough, he did not get to see it. I've been to a couple of screenings where Denny's wife, Marg, has been present. And she has just, she has said Denny would have been so pleased. And she herself is so pleased that there are others, uh, you know, taking up this, this mantle of telling WAP's history as well. So that, that's been a, a nice thing coming out of the, the awfulness of Denny's death. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, this, his father's uh, life lives on uh, in projects like this. And I bet you it won't be the last one either. Probably here again, somebody else will come at it from a different angle. And because you said there's so many other stories to be told. Uh, and you had mentioned, you know, uh, trying to fit all the stories into this, this short film. It's only a 20 minute film. We did end up leaving out some, some, big and, and somewhat significant chunks of his life. Uh, he was the first person with his company to get uh, the contract for the Royal Air, which was, you know, Canada's postage service. 
uh, and taking that up north, which again was just connecting the north and the south in an incredible way because there was telegraph, but that was very rare. Mail was the main way that people communicated uh, around the world. And even from, you know, town to town, even within cities, telephones, that sort of thing didn't really exist. So making that connection was huge. And yeah, there were, there were other points that just do based on time and flow of the film that we, we decided that we should cut, but yeah, it's, it's a difficult decision, especially with somebody so full of so many stories. Absolutely. And you can catch that story at FavaFest 2022. It's going to be happening at the Orange Hub. If you want to find out more, the best place to go to is fava.ca, where they will have a full listing of all the dates and what's screening at the Orange Hub at that time, uh, including Tom Robinson's film, Blind Ambition, The Wap May Story. Tom, I really appreciate your time. Appreciate the film uh, and all the work you did on it. Can't wait for the next project. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you following up and your enthusiasm for this film as well. We're uh, really proud with what uh, we, we put together here.